delighted uh, to welcome um, Ewan Murray, the golf correspondent for The Guardian. Uh, and also, I would say, Ewan, uh, you know, I, I say we've a pretty good uh, friendship and, and relationship uh, as well. Um, and welcome to View from the Lock, uh, which is uh, a, a weekly podcast um, which goes out on GNN Radio in Washington, D.C. as well, uh, which is interesting. And that's a new 24-hour uh, golf channel, uh, which Ryan Ballangy is, uh, is behind. And good luck to Ryan. Uh, this also goes out to Loch Lomond Golf Club members uh, as well. So uh, it's a nice thing uh, for us to have people like you and willing to come on uh, and chat golf. So you're, you're very welcome, you. Thanks, Bill. I'm delighted to be here. I'm always keen to expand my profile in Washington as well, so that's that's good news. <laughs> as long as it's not in the White House and you, another takeover. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, involved in that. Yeah, by people in fancy dress, mainly. Um, anyway, we'll leave that to one side. You uh, were covering Bay Hill, you and, uh, and then the players in, in Sawgrass. Uh, interesting stories with both of us. There always kind of is. Uh, but Bay Hill... Um, you know, Kurt Kayama, uh, that, that was a really interesting person to win, um, interesting background. And can you share your thoughts on the tournament and the winner? Yeah, I mean, Bayhill, it feels a long time ago, actually. Um, but Bayhill was an interesting week because news of the PGA Tour's schedule for next season broke at the start of that week. So obviously the big chat and the big controversy surrounded um, limited field events, no cut events. Basically, excuse me, the PGA Tour taking a further step to, to protect the best players. Now, you can argue whether that's right or wrong. I would estimate probably 10 to 15% of the PGA Tour players generate 85 to 90% of the revenue. I, I think that's the reality. It's a business reality. Whether you think that's the way top-level sports should work. I also kind of think that's the way it does at the top, where the best players earn more money than everyone else. But still, golf thrives on cuts to an extent. It thrives on the, you know, Friday night, who's going to make it, who's not going to make it, you know, the element of doubt there. Um, and I think taking that away in so many events, I think there's going to be an extra eight next year, is a big talking point. And the, and the no-cut thing to me, not to have any cut to any form at any time, is a negative. So anyway... As I've just demonstrated, that, that, that dominated talk during the week. Um, when the tournament got underway, Rory McIlroy started started poorly, played his way right back into it to the point where I was standing behind the 18th green and I was sure he'd hold a birdie putt, um, which you know in the end would have would have earned him a playoff spot, but he ended up ended up one shy of Kitayama, who is a lovely story because he he has bounced through tours all over the world really to eventually earn PGA Tour status. He is one that a lot of golfers have spoken about as being a very good player. And you hear these whispers, you know, he's good. It's not just quite happened yet. He's a good player. And sure enough, he, he comes and holds off. I mean, he holds off Rory McIlroy. He holds off Scheffler. He holds off Tyrrell Hatton, who has won there before. You know, it's not as if he won a soft tournament with soft players. So good on him. And um, that, was a, that was a nice, I, th I think generally this year in the PGA Tour, it's been high profile winners. You look at Scheffler and Ram almost dominating stuff. And then we have Rory winning in Dubai. All these guys have been in the mix. But now and again, it's nice to get a, a fairy tale story in there as well. So that's where Kitayama came in. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm just picking up on something you just said, you and you know, the uh, no-cut um, discussions. And 
as you say, the top players generating 80-odd percent, uh, which is, I, I know we're going to talk about Liv, um, but it's almost uh, supporting in one way what Liv, an element of Liv is all about. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Rory said it. He, he was asked, you know, would these changes have happened without Liv? Do you have to thank Liv? And he said, yeah, I can't sit here and, and lie. There's no doubt Liv has accelerated a lot of change in the PGA Tour. And that actually goes back to what Phil Mickelson that was one of his core points right from the start. He he wanted yeah. the PGA Tour to change. Now, we've all got our views on Live Golf, and, and I've got plenty of cynicism towards Liz Go- Live Golf, but the competition has shaken up the PGA Tour. Now, whether that's for the, the broader good of the PGA Tour is one debate, but it's definitely shaken up the PGA Tour to the benefit. What, what they've done is they've thrown kitchen sinks at the top players to make sure they're happy on the basis if they can retain the top players they can stop the bleeding of top players to live. That safeguards their business to an extent. That that has been their obvious policy, and and they hope the other players can can benefit from the from the spin-offs um, within. And you that that uh, decision that was made, um, you know, to have no cuts uh, the PGA. Were all the golfers associated with the PGA, you know, and, and involved the top hundred or whatever? Were, you know, were they all aware of this or is this a small sort of cabal within the PGA that made that decision? No, there are, there are boards within the PGA Tour that, that ultimately decided. The players should have been aware. A couple of them made noises that they, they weren't aware until it hit the media, but I, I think they should generally have been aware of the, of the direction of, of travel. Listen, the no-cuts thing, the explanation for that is, one, there's always been no-cut events in the PGA Tour. That's correct. We had World Golf Championship events, which have now kind of fallen by the wayside they had no cuts um and also and i'm, I'm slightly more dubious about this you, you're giving sponsors and fans guaranteed content so you know chef or McElroy ram you know they'll be there for all four rounds whereas if you have a cut the sponsor doesn't know that you're going to have these players for four days now i would argue although i'm just coming off a weekend where rory McElroy missed a cut the, the chances mm. of all the chances of all these players missing cuts at once is very, very slim. And secondly, and I see it, that these players undertake sponsor commitments in the early part of the week. They play a pro-am on Wednesday. There's other elements, photo shoots. I would kind of think that's covered by the time you reach Friday night and the need for a cut or, or otherwise. So, you know, I, I, I accept the argument, the need for certainty, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure in golf that, I'm not convinced taking out that element of doubt with a cut in a sporting sense, and purely in a sporting sense, I'm not sure that that should sit well with uh, with golf fans. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Maybe it's not the best analogy, but you've got uh, American football where, yes, you can buy a franchise to get yourself in, but uh, there's no relegation. Um, and, uh, you know, you look at the Premiership and, and, and Scotland and elsewhere, of course, having no relegation... Um, it does feel uh, as if you're kind of being cheated uh, a bit. Now, missing a cut... Jeopardy, isn't it, Bill? Jeopardy in sport. That's what people like. An element of jeopardy. jeopardy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, well, you know, we had Rory at uh, Dundonald Links playing in the Scottish Open and, and he and unfortunately missed the cut. Just going through a period of possibly equipment change, but it just lost a bit of form and uh, he soon after switched to uh, Caddy to, to Harry. Um, and and he missed the cut, um, and he was in good company as well. Dundonald Links is a you know it's a tough it's a tough track, and and he just was just not firing all cylinders. 
uh, and and we like we were hugely dis- I was hugely disappointed. Uh, Ian Ferguson down there being another fellow Ulsterman, you know, we were who's followed Rory's career from a very early age and been involved in the early days. Uh, with Rory and myself, uh, that was, but you know, you have that sort of history. We were hugely, um, you know, crestfallen um, when he didn't make a putt in the 18th, I think, which which caused it. But you kind of accept it's part of the trials and tribulations uh, of, of a tournament. And uh, Cabrera Bello was a good winner, deserved winner, and we still had a stellar field up towards the top. Uh, of the, the the board, so you know, I think uh, I, I like the cut scenario myself, um, but um, I guess it's something we're we'll have to get used to. Um, you know, you yeah. uh, sawgrass you were at and covering sawgrass as well. The phenomenon of uh, Scotty Scheffler, uh, you know, I did this podcast with Laura Davis, Katrina Matthew, Charlie Hull joined later on, uh, and we talked a bit about uh, four years ago he finished. 62nd in the Corn Ferry Tour in Louisiana. Um, it's a hell of a rise to, you know, where he's at over $30 million uh, worth of, uh, you know, winnings and, you know, practically unbeatable at times. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't remember. I wrote the stats on Sunday night when he won, but his, his run since the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits in late 2021 is, is incredible. And, and what it shows is even last year, and I know he won high-profile tournaments, but you could say, well, this could just be, I don't want to say flash in a pan, but it could be a short-term thing. This guy might not be able to sustain it. Therefore, he, he might not be a top, top player. But when he comes back this year and starts in exactly the same fashion, you say, no, this 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 guy's to be taken really seriously. His numbers, anyway you cut his numbers, are are incredible. I think I think since that Ryder Cup in 21, his on-course winning, and he, and he beat John Ram comfortably that Sunday, his on-course mm-hmm. Then are tw- almost twenty-five million dollars. Um, he's won six events out of twenty-seven. I think it's fourteen top tens besides those wins. So, so there's twenty of it. I mean, it's it's so consistent against such a condensed, talented bunch of golfers. Um, and we saw it on Sunday. But when he's down the stretch and he's even got a little bit of leeway, he, he just looks so cool. He doesn't look like he's going to blow up or throw anything away. Um, maybe he's he's anxious inside, but he doesn't. He doesn't show it at all. No, it's, it's, it's you know un, 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 unflappable, really. Um, you know, and and, and I think, uh, but I, I equally, uh, an interesting story was uh, you know Hatton, Terrell Hatton. Um, you know, twenty nine, the back nine, uh, astonishing birdie at the eighteenth, a whole rake of birdies, and of course he has these streaks. Um, can he channel it? There is a debate whether his temperament sometimes. Is a bad thing, good thing. Great to watch as a spectator, uh, but can he channel it and can he get up into the major podium? You know, it's a big question, but you know, it just feels to me as if he's ready for the next stage. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been critical of his temperament in the past, but but you have to say, and I, and I like Tyrrell, but I, I thought he went over the top at times on the golf course. But you have to look at the way he's performing and think, well, it's not doing him any harm now. I mean that, that run on Sunday was extraordinary. I mean he 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 bogeys the he bogeys the ninth. You think well okay you're playing for a top twenty finish maybe. And as you said he comes back he, that's a joint record score twenty nine on the inward half at Sawgrass. Um, funny story the second shot to to the eighteenth was fantastic as you say. 
but we chatted to his caddy, Mick Donaghy, afterwards. Mick's a great guy, quite a character. And Mick said, oh, no, he, he had a far better shot from exactly the same place yesterday. So he, he'd, he'd had that angle on Saturday right. and, hit, and hit it to almost tap-in range. So he knew, he, now you have to pull it off yeah. um, twice in a row, but he, he had a bit of confidence through having hit the shot the day before. Um, yeah, I, I don't think a major is, is out of the question at all. And I think he doesn't, part of his attitude is he, he doesn't at all fear big events and big players and yeah. big environments. Um, Sunday, funny enough, although he has won, Sunday was the biggest check of his career, I think $2.75 million. And yeah. The important thing is he's now set for a lot of things. I mean, he's inside the top 20 in the world, therefore he's easily inside the top 50. He's almost certain to be in the Ryder Cup team already. He should be in these big events. We're talking about the PGA Tour next year almost already. There's an element of comfort. He's not you know, playing for anything depending on his status and his future for the rest of this year. And I would think that makes him pretty dangerous. He's, he's in a good place. Um, mm. And as I say, I, no, I, I, I would be amazed if he doesn't at least challenge for one major this year. Probably not Augusta, because he had quite a lot of negative things to say about Augusta National. Yeah, it's in his head. head. It's, it's in his head. head. Not mm. his favourite place. Um, so that would be a surprise. But by the time we get to Hoylake, um, Oak Hill, LA, I'd be amazed if he's not in the mix at least once. No, I did agree. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I know you like stats. Um, so when he stood on the 10th tee box uh, on the Sunday, uh, his earnings at that stage from that tournament were $149,000. So he went from he went from there to $2.7 or whatever. Uh, it's, it's just it's what that gets you. You know, you finish second in the players, it's the check, it's the ranking points, it's the Ryder Cup point, it's everything else that that, that brings in. It's just really, really valuable, and that, and that sets him up not just for the rest of this season, for, but for a lot of next season as well. And that's that's important to him. Yeah, a few Europeans did quite well in Sawgrass. You know, Rose and uh, Fleetwood, Young, oh, uh, yeah, Rye R A I, if uh, that's how you pronounce it. Um, not sure of, of the age of him, but uh, uh, you know, they were hovering around. So maybe Europe. You know, and of course, when we talk to Liv, that's going to have a huge, huge impact on their Ryder Cup. We're not quite sure it's going to happen, but there's a few Europeans anyway, uh, seem to be hitting a bit of form. Yeah, I thought for a while the Ryder Cup team's in a better position than it was given credit for on the basis that the guys who have gone to Liv, I'm not sure they would be involved in a playing sense anyway. Really. Mm-hmm. Thomas, Peters, Thomas Peters, maybe, mm-hmm. but not your, not your Garcias or Westwoods or Poulters anymore. And I think, mm-hmm. I think Rose is an interesting one there because he's won. In the PGA Tour already this year, not being in the last Ryder Cup team really stung him, mm. and, I, and I and I thought there would be a bit of a, there was injury involved and he lost a bit of form, but I thought this year he would have the real extra motivation of playing in Rome, and he started so well. He, he, you know, he wins at Pebble Beach. He was wasn't quite in the mix at Sawgrass, but he was he was always on the leaderboard. Another good finish, and I would be, again, I would be surprised if he doesn't just qualify for this Ryder Cup, and if not. I think um, unless he, he falls off a cliff, and I don't see that, I think already he's an almost certain pick when, when Luke has six, six picks at his, at his disposal. Yeah, yeah, and a, a really interesting. Your European team will be stronger, I think, than people were talking about uh, 18 months ago. The RNA and USGA have just announced something called a golf ball rollback which means they're trying to now the 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 theory behind this is that and of course the the whole discussion has been golf courses are having to be lengthened all the time uh because um 
quite frankly, people are hitting it further. Um, and I've got a couple of stats on that as well. Uh, and the argument is being used is it's making traditional golf courses redundant and the sustainability angle as well of having to create more earth movement, maybe more ponds. Uh, you know, so now the idea is to tackle the golf ball. Uh, and uh, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? It just kind of came out yesterday. Um, so, uh, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Um, a multi-layered and pretty complicated issue. Um, Bill, you probably, you're probably more in tune with this than me, but the sustainability issue around golf courses is a perfectly valid one. Um, mm -hmm. The amount of land that new courses are taking up, the amount of materials and equipment and, and you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Greenkeeping stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. fertilizers and, you know, and pesticides and yeah, yeah. The amount of that required to, to, to treat modern golf courses, I absolutely get that's an issue. The amount of water that's needed, all that stuff. That's a completely fair point. Um, I fear the horse bolted a, a while ago with this with the golf ball, and I fear that what the RNA and USGA can do. Um, is going to be too limited to make a massive difference. Now, what they have proposed is this, you know, competitions can bring on this this local rule where players have to use a different ball in their, in their events. Well, it's perfectly feasible that the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour and, dare I say, the Live Tour, who won't be so minded to pay attention to anything they're told to do by the governing bodies, mm. they can shrug their shoulders and say, and the PGA Tour have already hinted at their own research, they can say, no, we've done our own work. We don't think this is necessary. We want. We think the best thing for our product is to leave the golf ball alone. Now, if they do that, the RNA and USGA have already said the local rule will be used in their competition. So that's the Open Championship, the US Open. We have to assume the other majors will also bring this on board. So are we realistically going to have a situation where golfers are asked to play a different ball in the Scottish Open the week before they play in the Open Championship, for example? or a different ball in the Texas Open the week before they play the Masters, that would become a bit complex and, dare I say, a bit silly. And I, and I don't think the golf community at large would, would accept it. But, but all this does is, and I feel a bit sorry for the RNA and the USGA because I think they have the best of intentions and have spent a lot of time and a lot of money, but they can't, it seems, forcibly tell these tours what to do. Um, and that presents a bit of a problem for them. It's a yeah. public sector v private sector argument. They're, they're dealing with these huge commercial enterprises. And it's, well, the way it's been left now is, can we suggest you maybe bring on this local rule? Well, as I say, if they say no thanks, I, I, then, uh, where are we left? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, I mean, a, a stat that, uh, that came out uh, with with some of the information laws, there there is since I think uh, 1999. I think John Daly's 1999 or 2000. John Daly was um, uh, the longest hitter. Uh, if I've got that date wrong, I do apologise. But uh, they're, they're reckoning about a yard uh, a year is going on to uh, to the what? to a drive. So Rory's three two six point five or something like that average. Uh, yeah. And um, daily was three hundred point five, which was like totally mind blowing when it happened. Uh, yeah. So yeah, all, all I would say is, and this is um, this is a credit. This a lot of this is linked to Tiger Woods actually. 
but but mm. the athleticism of golfers also plays a part in this now. I mean, golfers now, professional golfers, <clears throat> almost exclusively, are fantastic athletes. They work hard in the gym. They work so hard on their core and their power and their speed. Now, the more of that that's happened as well, this is combined with technology. I'm not at all diminishing the role of technology, but that has also played a part. Yeah. The stronger and fitter and hit the ball further through that as well. And that was what that was what Woods kicked into the generation of McElroy, that, that, that that's the way they want to be. I also think, I haven't looked at this again, but I, I remember looking at the RNA's previous research numbers and I kind of feared that they started after the point at which this became a concern. It, if, you, if you go to Daly in 2000, yeah. it's kind of before that. If you, if you go, I think during the 90s into 2000, I think from memory, that's when this became a bit problematic. Yeah. And it, and yeah. it was ignored at that point. If you remember the Callaway ERC driver, that came out and very quickly was banned. But, but the golf ball was never dealt with. And, and, I, and I fear now that the, what they're trying to do, again, well-meaning though it is, even if it's implemented, is going to have minimal impact at such a minimal element of the game as well, that, that top percentage in the professional ranks. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. The, the feedback from everyone, mainly, I mean, the, the, man, the manufacturers, I think already will make a noise and say, we don't want to do this. But the, the feedback from the tours is going to be the fascinating part because if the tours don't accept this and don't bring it on board, then I think there's, I think there's an issue. I don't think you can have separate golf balls for separate men's events. No, I mean, uh, completely ludicrous if, if that happened. Um, but, uh, you know, um, it's a possibility. Uh, I, I, I suppose at least the argument or the discussion has reached another level, uh, if not a conclusion, which, um, you know, whether they've bolted too soon or not, I don't know. But uh, really interesting uh, thoughts you and you have on it. And thanks for, for sharing those. Um Live, I mean, you know, uh, we, we can't really not have a discussion about it. 18 months ago, it just felt uh, Norman was making plenty of noise, but it all just felt a bit surreal and it kind of still does. The only difference is they've signed up about 60 odd players, including some of the heaviest hitters uh, in the game. Um, as a golf speaker, it's been a nightmare. Um, you know, Rory, we don't see any more. Uh, you know, live of Rory member part. But you know, kind of said, well, Greg Norman might have to tear it up himself because uh, people may not be interested. But with that level of money coming from the, the Saudi International Fund, um, I'm afraid it was possibly inevitable that some heavy hitters would go. Cam Smith was probably one that just, you know, took people's breath away because it was right after the Open and, of course, a sensational victory. And to have him practicing at home when the hmm. players was happening just down the road just seemed wrong. But where are we with Liv? Where are we with this legal update where everybody's taking each other to court? Uh, and what's your thoughts about will they be allowed to play in the Ryder Cup? Uh, where we are with the legal update, right? So the, the, the European arbitration case was heard in London in early February. Um, yeah. I would expect I would expect an announcement on that probably just after the Masters. That's the right. latest we're hearing on when that should be announced. Whether that the way that will go and whether they can play, 
I really don't know. And it really depends who you ask. Some people say, yeah, the Live players will win. Some people say the DP World Tour will win. And it was an arbitration which is extremely um, secretive and close-knit. So even those of us trying to sniff around the edges can't get much of a sense of what happened in there. So I could honestly, I could see either outcome from that case. And, and then, of course, you've got the, the option of appeal. It could go elsewhere, and that might not be the end of it. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, in America, there's a, there's a wider case going on, an antitrust case between PGA Tour and the Live Golf League and vice versa, which is extremely messy. Um, as you know, the Americans love a, love a legal case, and this is no sure. Um What's been interesting there is, is the discovery, the, the, the Public Investment Fund and its governor, Yasser al-Rumin, have been called in for discovery in that case, which they are now appealing. But if that holds and, and they are they are brought into discovery there, I think that possibly opens up all manner of problems and things that they won't want to get involved in from the Saudi side. Um, because, well, the, the fact they appealed it and didn't want to do it in the first place even even tells you that. So that's worth keeping an eye on. Um, but the actual hearing for that case isn't until, I think, early 2024, if it gets that far. So that's just rumbling on in the background. And the players are banned from the, the PGA Tour in the meantime. So there's no impact there. Um, Live itself, I, I sense, has lost a bit of momentum. I mean, they, they have said that their teams and their players are set for this year, which is fine by them. Obviously, they want a bit of certainty. But I think last year, and you touched on it so much, was about which player is going to go, who's going to be next, is he going to go, is he going to stay? Now, this year, that's that's gone. So they have to make it about the golf tournaments. And are enough people engaged and interested in their golf tournaments? I, I'm not sure they are. If you, if you speak about the UK, for example, there's still no TV deal. So there's, mm. not, there's not visibility of it is one problem. They have a deal now in the US. Mm. Um, but I, I don't get... When, when I, people ask me about live, it's either seasoned golf fans who want to know who's going to be next, and you can say, well, no one at present, or people from outside golf just want to know about the live concept. But, you know, people don't really ask you who's playing well on that tour, what's happened with him, how's he playing... They don't have that narrative, and I wonder without that how their golf. I mean, it is a golf event, a series of golf tournaments. I wonder how that how that goes. To be honest, the fascinating bit is going to be firstly Augusta, how, how these how these guys play right in the majors. I'm going to be interested. Mm -hmm. Cam Smith, by all rights, Cam Smith should compete at the Masters, but but does he do it this year? Dustin Johnson should compete at the Masters. He's won the Masters, but can he do it? from the live circuit. If these guys do compete and do well, they have a compelling argument that the live circuit yes. is competitive enough that it, it works for them. Yeah. If they don't, it will raise questions about how competitive their, their domain is. So that's going to be actually a key and interesting Masters theme, Bill. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, if, if, if a live golfer wins the Masters or a major, woof. I mean, that's what they're hoping for, obviously. As you say, then, it lends credence to the Live Tour being enough. Uh, and then what you're going to get is it's more relaxed. I'm not under as much pressure. I see more of my family. You know, those things that have sort of come out from some of the players. Um, I think if we, if we go back to maybe a PGA stance uh, and, you know, Rory... Um, who, who will, you know, he talks from the heart um, and, and I don't think anybody could say or level anything at him to say, you know, he said something that he doesn't really believe in. Um, 
you know, I, I kind of felt a bit sorry that, uh, you know, he, he was a leading voice um, of opposition for uh, reasons of historical importance of the game. And, and I, I know, and you probably know as well, Ian, you're, you're relatively, or you follow Rory, uh, that he means that. He means that. He, he, the history of the game, he's a, he, you know, he, he's, he studies it. it. It's an influence on him, you know, and, and he doesn't want to see the foundations of that sort of traditional golf uh, being rocked. Um, so obviously his stance is going to be, well, here's another tour. It's not for me. Uh, and it's just a, a fad or it's a new thing. But he kind of was the nearly the only voice, uh, maybe the only voice that carried weight. And then Tiger weighed in. It took a while. Mm. Uh, and there were suggestions that up to a billion pounds was being offered to Tiger. Uh, whether that's true or not, who knows? Um and uh, I, I just wondered, you know, what your view is that Rory sort of led the fight or give was seen to be the, the opinion maker from the PGA uh, and, and was sort of slightly isolated uh, until others came uh, after him. And, and what's your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I don't know if he was isolated, but I wrote about this on Sunday, actually, because Rory himself admitted on Saturday after he missed the cut, he, he, I think his phrase was, I'm looking forward to getting back to being a golfer again. So he's admitting that this has been time-consuming. Mm. I mean, he, he sat in a seven-hour board meeting two days before the tournament teed off at, at Bay Hill. Now, you mentioned Tiger. I, I have a hard job believing Tiger Woods would sit in a seven-hour board meeting at the peak of his career. I, I just don't think he would do it. No. And, and this, now, this is all to Rory's... Again, I, I wrote this in the piece. This is all to Rory's credit. And history, yeah. will, history will treat him very kindly in that regard. Mm-hmm. But my slight issue with it, with it is... But he's slightly been used by people at the PGA Tour, executives at the PGA Tour, right? Who are paid an awful lot of money to, to do the public speaking for them, and I, I think that's a little bit unfair. Now, of course, he's Rory McIlroy; he's a global star. People listen to him. He has that standing that maybe even Jay Monahan doesn't have. Jay Monahan is just just an in inverted commas. He's the PGA Tour's commissioner, but but I think I think Rory has said a lot more on the tour's behalf. Because yeah. the tour hasn't done it. And, and I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that. You, you could argue for long enough it didn't do Rory any harm. I mean, last year he, he competed in all four majors. He won the FedEx Cup. He goes back to world number one. Everything seemed fine. And, and I've said that to him. It's, it's, it's not done you any harm at all. But the start of this year, even when he won in Dubai, his, ga- his game is slightly off, it looks to me. Um, mm. And maybe just little things. Maybe time you could be spending on that. Or time you could be looking at his golf is... You know, it's natural. It takes out of you. I mean, you're in board meetings, taking calls, sure. trying to understand the politics of situations. It's it's time consuming. And and I hope, and, and this is me, I'm a journalist. It's good for Rory to speak. It's good for me. But I hope he gets back to being a golfer because the best thing for golf and the best thing for Rory McIlroy is, is when he wins. The only thing I would say in Tiger's slight defence is Tiger now doesn't play that much and he isn't around. So his his public utterances can be few and far between anyway. But, but I thought, it, like you, I thought it was notable that Tiger came out and spoke and said how much Rory had done and how much time Rory had spent. And I thought, yeah, that's great, but but is that good for, for Rory McIlroy? You know, let's let's see. I, I hope, I mean, the schedule's now been announced. The live bleed, it seems, it has stopped. I, I'm not sure what really can go on over the next few months. It should be so time-consuming anyway. So so there should be a bit of a gap where, um, where Rory can get back to hitting golf balls. Sure, sure. There, there, there are rumours circulating that a few may be thinking of rejoining the PGA Tour. 
uh, I, I, you know, the problem is with social media and the, the where we live in conspiracy theories and theories and you don't know who's putting what out there and, you know, live or not behind the door, I don't think, and having their, well, bots out on, uh, you know, on social media flying the flag and I'm sure the PGA have got some selected uh, individuals as well. But ha- have you heard that, Ewan? Would you put any credence to that? No, I have heard it, but... Not, I wouldn't give credence to it in terms of the individuals that I'd heard were thinking about coming back. But what is intriguing to me, I think naturally, it's life. You make decisions that you regret. Naturally, one player at some point will say, hang on a minute, I, I called this wrong. This yeah. isn't what I thought it would be. It could be any reason. This isn't what I thought it would be. Um, I missed the PGA Tour or the DP World Tour. I want to go back. So, So intriguing to me is when that individual says that, what is the negotiation and what is the deal that lets them back onto the former tours? That, that's a tough... Mm-hmm. Well, you've been in golf and business for a long time, but that's a tough... Because it's a win for the existing tours to get someone back. That shows you're doing something right. But you can't annoy your members by just letting them walk back in and, and have no consequences for leaving and trying to take the money, as it were, and go to live. There has to be a deal done there. Yeah. That is, that is a really complex deal but but i think inevitably at some point whether it's in two months two years whatever that that deal will have to exist yeah i i agree and if you think about it i suppose take a a, a sort of an overall view you know uh, let's say it is a cam smith for example uh, and uh, you know you've got to think about if if you have strong feelings against live um and obviously we'd all agree it's not all bad uh, but um you know, if you want to take, if you want to burst the bubble, <laughs> I mean, if you really want to uh, shake the foundations, then a high-profile move back across, you know, feels like, uh, um, you know, I'm not going to say a Mo Johnson type scenario, Ewan. <laughs> Nothing's like a Mo Johnson type scenario. <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing uh, is a mo- and, and please, those that are watching or listening, maybe you should Google Google that one. But uh, both of us, uh, you and, and myself, from Celtic uh, people as we are, uh, and uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland bases, we would know a lot about the whole Johnson scenario. But you know, coming across the Rubicon, um, you know, surely we'd play under the PGA's hands, I think, but. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Ryder Cup. Will they be allowed to play in the Ryder Cup? Live golfers. Almost certainly not. This is actually more of an issue for the American players. Again, yeah. I mentioned the European ones, but I mean, Dustin Johnson, Boots Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed. Really, I think off the top of my head, that's the, the four main guys that would concern. Um, I can't remember the the. the the phraseology there means they have to be members of the PGA in good standing or something like that. And these players were all previously, they were all previously members of the PGA through being PGA Tour players, which they no longer no longer are. Now I think technically they could attach themselves to a golf club in Florida and be be pros there and and be members of the PGA of America. But I don't particularly get the sense these guys want to do that apart from anything else. And and I don't know. Unless they, and again, this could happen, and it's a, it's a level of intrigue. If they perform very well in the majors and then find themselves qualifying, then this is a big debate. If they mm-hmm. don't, if they don't, and they're not eligible beyond getting picked, I don't think it's a conversation. I, I think that, you know, we've heard a lot from the likes of David, not Zach Johnson himself, the captain, but we've heard a lot from Davis Love. We've heard a lot mm-hmm. from Fred Couples. 
guys who are immersed in the Ryder Cup and the PGA Tour, and they've almost said that these guys aren't welcome. So beyond qualification, which I think then would have to be dealt with somehow, and I dare say they will have to say in the coming weeks exactly whether they are actually allowed to qualify, I see no way that they get picked. Therefore, I, I don't see how they're involved. It's a blow for the Americans because Johnson has been a fantastic Ryder yeah. Cup performer, yeah. especially. Um, I know Reed splits opinion, but he's, he's an excellent golfer. Um, Deschambeau, it looks like he, you know, had a brief flirtation mm -hmm. with Corey and that was it. I might be proven wrong, but I, I don't see much to say it's going to come back. And Kep, Kepka, at his best and fit, is among the best players in the world. So, you know, I, I've, I've thought for a while the Ryder Cup playing in a playing sense would be bigger effective for the Americans than it would be for the Europeans. Um, but I, I don't see whether it's a, a stipulation or, or not, I don't see a way that these guys are, are involved. On the European side, what we've done is we've lost, almost certainly, because I don't see how they get back into this fold, again, given the level of feeling that's been been shown. I don't see how your Garcias, your McDowell's, your Westwood, your Proters are in a captaincy scenario anymore. And um, that that's the loss there. But, but you know, they made their call, they, they took their choice, and, um, you know, I, I dare say they're comfortable enough with that now. Yeah, yeah, I think Stenson being replaced mm. by Luke Donald was, uh, you know, well, gives, I, mean, I was talking about it recently. It, it gives Europe a captaincy issue. It looked for a while as if a load of captains were set up for the next three or four Ryder Cups. Yeah. Not anymore. And, and actually, no. if, you sit, if you sit down, you struggle to name three or four captains for the next European captains for the next few Ryder Cups. It almost lends itself to if Luke does extremely well in Italy, could he do it again? You're you're, you're kind of into those. Yeah, um, territories again. Whereas before, we actually had too many captains for not, not enough Raider Cups. That, that that's been turned on its head. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, I, the first podcast of the series of Katrina Matthew on it, and uh, it was really interesting because obviously she was asked to come back and, and captain uh, in Inverness in Ohio uh, and successfully skippered the team again, uh, which was which was a terrific achievement. Maybe there's a bit of a template there for the Europeans, as you said, Luke Donald as well. Uh, you know, he's pretty well liked. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, he's certainly level-headed for sure. Um, I think he'd be popular. Um, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't rule that out, Ewan. Um, you why, know, why, 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 well, why not? I mean, it, it has always seemed a bit strange to me that someone can be a successful and well-liked captain. Yeah. And, and, and the day after the Ryder Cup is finished, that's then done. You think, well... Yeah. And, and also, and, I, and I've seen this, people can lose the Ryder Cup through all manner of circumstances. It might They might not have been bad captains, but again, sure. the day after the Ryder Cup's finished, ditched. Instead of saying, hang on a minute, maybe maybe this person's worthy of another another chance. Now, some of them don't want to do it because it's pretty all-consuming for a couple of years. You know, these guys, a lot of them want to be still golfers as well. So I'm not suggesting they would all want another go. But, I mean, I was in Ohio for that Sawheim Cup, and it, they were absolutely outstanding, and the, and the respect yeah. they had for Katrina was obvious. And, and that just that had just worked, keeping her in place. And, and I don't see any reason why, just because, um, they should ditch a captain after one one go. That one-and-done thing doesn't make complete sense to me. I, I would like to see them revisit that. And actually, for the reasons explained, I think they may have to revisit it Anyway, going forward. Laura Davis gave an insight, actually, you and probably find quite interesting. Uh, she said, she, you know, obviously her pedigree uh, in, in the Soham Cup is, is huge and she's played in a, 
a lot uh, of Sohan cups uh, since its uh, conception. And she said that about Beanie, uh, Katrina, um, she said that her communication skills were really something else because in previous teams, um, the girls are sort of saying, what's happening? What do you think's going to happen? You know, who's going to get selected with who? And she said uh, under, under Katrina, uh, everybody knew what their job was, what their role was, what was happening. They were kept informed. Uh, and, uh, and there goes uh, a good manager or captain on any level. But, you know, it was quite interesting to hear that little yeah. bit of insight. You need to understand the golfers. Not you need to understand. I didn't mean that personally. But, but we have to understand. Um, golfers live 99% of their lives in an individual bubble with mm-hmm. their own people around them where they have absolute certainty. And they go into the team environment where you, you explained that well. It's not it's not always as clear exactly what their role is, exactly what's going on, exactly what they're supposed to do. And some people, golfers, can't handle that. They find it difficult, understandably, because they're not used to it. Yeah. So I think I think Laura's hit the name in the head, nail in the head. Actually, the best captains will be the best communicators, so that mm-hmm. that player that player is not unsure at all what their role is at any given time, and they'll perform well accordingly. I think it's one of the reasons actually that Tiger Woods struggled so much as a player, certainly early on in the Ryder Cup. It, it was totally alien to him being part of this team. He was so focused, so single-minded. It was all, it was only about what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and funnily enough, that didn't apply to Faldo, for example, who was a fantastic Ryder Cup player, but also so single-minded. Colin Montgomery, fantastic yeah. Ryder Cup player. So, yeah. it, it, you know, they're all different. But I, th- I think taking players out of the individual environment into the team one requires really, really strong communication from the captain. I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, and, and obviously she had it. Um, Ewan, we're coming to the end of, of the interview, which has been, I mean, it is raced by uh, and, and so informative, uh, as always. Um, and honestly, I must get you back on again because it's it's a real education, Ewan. But I'm going to ask you a question, and you can bail out on this one uh, if you want. But, <laughs> but uh, with the advent of live golf um, and what they've brought to the table, uh, shotgun starts and, you know, how they look after caddies or two of the things in less tournaments. Um, will they exist um, in three years' time or will there be a world tour that there probably should have been 25 years ago uh, when Europe was stronger and could have maybe negotiated something like that? Uh, is that where it's heading? Is it heading into a world tour and maybe Saudi Arabia is going to be part of that? Yeah, two interesting questions. Three, three years' time. My sense just now is three years' time, no. And I'll tell you why. We touched on the legal stuff in the United States, which is obviously causing headaches. I just think, if you look at Saudi Arabia's interventions into sport, Newcastle United, well, everyone loves them there. It's going well. Yeah. You know, they'll ultimately, you know, they've been in a cup final before too long. You have to think they'll qualify for the Champions League. If not, you know, they won't do it this year, I don't think, but next year or beyond. That's a success. And the Saudis are, are lauded for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Formula One, they seem to have no issues there. No. You can bring Cristiano Ronaldo to play there. The, you know, one of the top names in football. But my point is that in other sports, it's generally successful. Golf has given them a lot of headaches, and, and they haven't got the, the very. You can argue Cameron Smith, of course, but they haven't got the very, very top names in the game. Tiger Woods won't go. Rory McIlroy won't go. John Ram won't go. Scotty Scheffler won't go. So. 
by definition there, your product is second rate, really. I don't think they'll like that. And, no. and I think for all the, and it's linked, for all the legal stuff going on and all the headaches, is it worth it? I think there may be a point where they say no. So so three years is, is interesting. My, my sense is no, it won't be around then. Um, whether Saudi can be part of a world tour is a fascinating question because there would then be a lot of people I know within golf who would think, hang on a minute, these guys have got a lot of money. We, we want this money involved in our sport. But, but, yeah. the level of, but the level of bad feeling between the PGA Tour especially, but also the DP World Tour and the Live Golf concept, which is Saudi-backed, is so strong. At the minute, you have to say it's very, very hard to see them ever working together. It, it, it's There's so much animosity there. So I, I think that part, though very interesting, is, is at the minute really difficult. Um, and as for a world tour, whether that exists anyway, yes, I think that's kind of the way we're, we're heading. I mean, at the minute we have the situation where we spoke about the PGA Tour schedule. There has to be some European input and flow to that. They have a strategic alliance with the PGA Tour. They have to get their time in the sun a little bit where there's big events in Europe. Um, yeah. We need big events in Australia. We need, you know, this, this thing should come together into a global tour anyway. Again, has Liv, is Liv going to trigger that? Yes. Um, but you, know, you asked a good question. Could the Saudis ever be involved in that? Again, I think a lot of people in the sport would quite like the, the wealth they bring, but it's got so kind of vicious in many ways, it just looks really difficult. Mm, true. Um, I, I think, you know, but if you have a Formula One style situation where, um, and if it included the Scottish Open, obviously the Open, Irish Open could be a, an easier, easy kind of trilogy uh, if you were guaranteed your top 150. Uh, like the former run one rules in the time, you know the top 150 rule in the time, uh, the hype and sponsorship um, and interest would be phenomenal and possibly um, you know outdo the Saudi Arabian monetary value, um, probably would in the end, and it would be sustainable. The key, you know, key what we're talking about, isn't it? You know, sustainability, uh, and and I think that. You know, probably my opinion where it sits, I think Saudi Arabia um, possibly could be part of it and seen as a Formula One style, okay, you know, in we go and it's November or whatever it's played and then they take on a few other gigs, uh, you know, tournaments in that region. Uh, and then America would be predominant, I would have thought, uh, mm -hmm. in a world tour. Um, but you're guaranteeing and the spectators are getting what they want, the sponsors are getting what they want, and your Saudi Arabia top people and your PGA and European tour top people, you know, Pelle and Monaghan, they're heroes. All of a mm -hmm. sudden, you've gone from a you're in a, in a bunker, everybody's shooting at you, um, lobbing hand grenades, and you're, you're, you're a hero and a kingmaker. Um, and, and that's got to be seriously attractive, I think, to all parties. And it's, who, who, who is the person that, given, given how, as I said, how, how much animosity there is, who is the person that brings all that together? I, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I, I, but I guess you know, it's, it's all these sort of, um, you know, it could have, it might have to be at a government level. 
you know, um, and uh, uh, if it's a governmental level, then things you have could to visit with golf balls. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm actually thinking uh, Biden Sunak. They're certainly far too busy. No, yeah. you, need, <laughs> you need a neutral force in there to say, right, you all need to work together. Yeah, and, and I dare say it may have to involve none of the executives that you've, you've just named because it's, it's quite personal and quite anyway. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's a fascinating concept to me. Yeah, yeah, I think it, 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 I put my money on it that uh, that, that something like that's going to will end up there. You, you've been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so so much uh, again, and uh, I'm sure I'll see you soon, uh, hopefully at the lock or or somewhere else. Pleasure, Bill. You'll see me when the sun comes out and it warms up a bit, definitely. Uh, definitely. Okay. Cheers, Ewan. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Good lad. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.